0: Hertz has got it, wants to throw. Hertz setting up the screen, it is complete and blown off. Miles Sanders caught it, Malcolm Rodriguez was there waiting
1: for him. That's a big play by Rodrigo.
0: Welcome to the 20-Minute in the Huddle podcast presented by Microsoft. This is the post bye week edition of the podcast. And as always, we start with news and notes. And, and, you know, the bye week is is a good time um, to, you know, reflect on the first, you know, set of games, uh, do some self-evaluation, do some scheme stuff. Um, And, you know... Usually teams like that buy to come, you know, week eight, week nine, week ten, and kind of split the season up. The Lions got an early buy this week, but I think it just came at a perfect time for them. You know, obviously at one and four, not the start they want. Um, you know, the reeling a little bit um, after you know a twenty-nine nothing loss to New England. They've dealt with a ton of injuries on that front. It, it came at a good time, and I just think it, it gave them an opportunity to step back, do a little self-reflection, and, and you know, try to set the the reset button. Um, you know, for this twelve. 12- Game stretch because look, they've got to come out fire now. They've put themselves in a hole and, you know, they got to dig themselves out of it or, you know, they're not going to be playing meaningful games in December. And that's certainly not what any Lions fan wants, especially with some of the expectations going into this season and really with how well offensively they've played football. So, you know, the defense obviously needs to to you know get some things squared away but you know I think the news and notes always has to start with injuries you know like I mentioned you know they were really banged up um, going into the bye um, yeah they're still kind of banged up if you look at the injury report from from Wednesday and, and Thursday this week I mean they're still dealing with some stuff you know uh, it's not looking great for DJ Chark and, and that's a big loss for them I mean he was obviously that that ex receiver that guy that they needed to, to really kind of finish off that offense w- w- with what they had and you Know, Quintus Cephas then goes down, so you're kind of missing that dynamic X guy that can you know make plays outside the numbers, get down the field, and so well, Ben Johnson's had been had to be creative a little bit with kind of what what they've done missing um, DJ. Um, I'm worried a little bit about Josh Reynolds. He's a guy that stepped up in in place of DJ, but if you watch that New England game I mean he was really playing through some pain at the end of that game he showed up with a knee injury didn't practice Wednesday so um, you know we're, we're just gonna kind of see where that goes if you don't have Chark and you don't have Reynolds I think that's a big loss for this offense I mean the great news is DeAndre Swift looks like he's trending toward playing he talked to us um, on Wednesday said that's the goal he returned to practice great news and in Amon Ross St. Brown was a full participant in practice Wednesday he's been dealing with with that high ankle sprain. And so to get him back and to get Swift back, that's obviously huge. Now, if you can get Reynolds too and you have a presence outside on that X spot, you know, I think, you know, you feel pretty good about Detroit's chances uh, to go down there and score some points in Dallas on Sunday. And speaking of, of Dallas, you know, I think looking at that game there's there's a great opportunity for like a strength on strength moment in that game um you look at their defense and their front seven it's it's really been the catalyst of, of their team and I've got John Machoda on the on a pod um a little bit later he's going to break down everything you know Dallas from the athletic and and you know he does a great job and and he was talking about this this defense and what he's seeing as as being kind of historically good defensively um so we'll get into that in a little bit but but you do look at their front Seven and, um, you know, they lead the NFL with 24 sacks. Micah Parsons is obviously terrific, but you know, they've got four different guys with three plus sacks, they've got 10 different guys with sacks. It's not just the sacks, it's the pressures, too, right? And so, they've been really good defensively. And then when you look at the strength of Detroit, what's that been right? Their their offensive line, their ability to run the football and protect Jared Goff. Jared Goff's been sacked seven times this year. That's tied for the fewest in the league. So I think it'll be really fun to watch kind of Detroit's offensive line against Dallas's front seven. I think that's going to really be you know one of the keys to to the game. And and look, it's got to be a key for Detroit. Um, this offense has kind of got to get its groove back. You look at the first four weeks and just how explosive they were, and it was kind of a clunker. And, in New England you know obviously you weren't with you were without Swift you were without Amon Ross St. Brown Bill Belichick's one of the best minds defensive minds in football and, and look he took away um TJ Hawkinson and, and made other guys beat you and and Detroit what you know didn't do that they made some uncharacteristic mistakes up front some miscommunication stuff excuse me with, with the offensive line and so um yeah, it was an uncharacteristic performance offensively, so yeah, I think this offense needs to get their groove back. I think the defense is still trying to figure things out. They're, they're changing personnel. I know Aaron Glenn talked this week about um, some defensive changes and, and some continuing personnel stuff th- th- that they plan to do until they kind of get that all squared away and we can start to see some progress on defense. This offense has got to score and they've got to be good. They're, they're the best thing going for this team right now. They've got to get their groove back in Dallas. We'll see if they can. And you know, the kicker situation. I think that's another one to watch. You know, they've got Michael Bagley, but, um, you know, didn't have a ton of confidence, you know, in, in, in throwing him out there and, and, um, you know, expecting him to make some kicks uh, against New England. Has that changed? They brought in Sam Ficken. You know, he's a guy who's kicked in this league, too. So it could be another week where maybe you're still trying to figure out the kicking situation as well. So, you know, those are some news and notes. Like I said, I got John Machada, Machada from uh, The Athletic. Um, he's going to join me talking Cowboys. Frank Ragnall is going to come in. We're going to talk about that Dallas front seven and, and Detroit strength. And obviously, you know, we, we do the key matchups every week. I got Mike O'Hara joining me this week. So busy show all around. Welcome back to the 20 the huddle podcast presented by Microsoft. I am joined by John Machado, who does a terrific job covering the Cowboys for the athletic. John, thanks for joining me this morning. I really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on.
0: Well, let's start with obviously last week. You know, a tough loss, a, a big division game for for you guys. We know what it's like losing a close game to the Philadelphia Eagles. You guys get another crack at them, fortunately. But you know, anything jump out about that loss that that lingers a week, or are or, or you guys moved on to Dallas and and beyond that one?
2: It's funny that you say that because. Uh... I feel like coming out of all these games, you know, fans and us analyzing this stuff, we should have this big, you know, this is the reason that they lost. And and there really isn't from that game. I mean, they lost because Cooper rushed through three interceptions, but I didn't come out of that game thinking anything differently of the Dallas Cowboys than I thought going in. Um, The the Eagles are probably the best team in the NFC right now. Um, There's no fan base that hates the Cowboys more than the Eagles. Um, that's the toughest road environment. I've been covering a team since 2011. That's the toughest road environment. I've seen them go into uh, a Sunday night game in Philadelphia. Uh, things are gro- going great in Philly for, for their sports teams. And, uh, you know, uh, th- they were having fun all day long and it was a perfect setting for them and they didn't have Dak Prescott. So, uh, yeah, nothing, nothing changed there. If Cooper rush doesn't throw three interceptions, the Cowboys probably win that game anyway
0: you know, you mentioned Dak and, and obviously you returned to practice this week, has a full throwing regimen. Do you expect him to be the
2: quarterback under
0: center Sunday?
2: I do. I do. I mean, so before the Philadelphia game, he threw for about 20 minutes to receivers and uh, up through about 50 passes. And that was the first time that he really did something uh, to that level. And from what I saw, he looked like a guy that could go out there and Yeah, he's might not be the Dak Prescott of 100%, but I think he's good enough with how well this defense is playing to be able to win games at where he's at. And so they wanted to be a little bit cautious, give him an extra week. And that that makes sense. But yeah, there's no doubt in my mind, unless, you know, they have a Thursday practice in a little bit. If if he suffered some type of a setback or he just looked really bad, maybe something changes there. But I, I don't see that happen. I would be shocked if he wasn't their starter on Sunday
0: you know, obviously dealing with the thumb has been out for what, over a month now, is is there any worry at all about rust when a guy's been out that long, especially at the quarterback position, you know, it's not like you're a receiver alignment or something like that. You can kind of jump in and get into the flow. I mean, is is there any concern in in Dallas about there being a little bit of rust?
2: Well, yeah. And, and, and particularly on the timing routes with just receivers and things like that. Um, you know, it's one thing to throw on air, uh, before game. And it's another to be throwing, uh, full speed uh, with the defense playing uh, to try and stop you. And and as you know, these practices, they only give you so much. I mean, they had a walkthrough practice on Wednesday that Mike McCarthy calls a mock game. And then Dak was scheduled to throw after that again to receivers, probably another 50 passes. So this Thursday practice will be really tell you a lot because this will be the first time that he's getting a chance to kind of go live. So yeah, I I anticipate some rust from him. But the thing that's changed since he's been out is their defense has stepped up and they've really uh, relied on that running game because they Kay. had to. And I think that as they ease him back in, I think that they're going to stick with that plan. And it's not going to be the Dak Prescott of the last few years where you're like, well, if the Cowboys are going to win, he's probably going to have to throw 35, 40 times. I, I don't get the sense out of, out of that coming from the team right now
0: that's been a really nice duel in the backfield with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. Um, You know, obviously Zeke for so many years carried so much. There was so much, you know, kind of tread on the tires there. Um, But how, how has that changed them a little bit? How has that made that offense better that, that Tony's now a bigger part of that backfield?
2: It's been huge. I mean, he's been their biggest playmaker, you know, they're not going to give him 20 carries, uh, and for a long time, that was Ezekiel Elliott's job. They'd give him the 20, 25 carries and they would lean on him and it led him to some good seasons. He had a couple of rushing titles, but it's changed over the years. He's taken a lot of wear and tear. So you've needed kind of somewhat similar to the situation that the Lions have where you have just two backs that kind of complement each other with the way they play. I think the biggest thing that's, that's allowed it to be successful is that there hasn't been any ego from Ezekiel Elliott about it. You know, you go from being the guy that that he was 2016 through probably 2019. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're talking more about a timeshare in the backfield. And so uh, he's adapted pretty well to it. Um, But in big moments when they need, you know, goal line, uh, fourth and one, things like that, Ezekiel Elliott's still going to be their guy. Um, But his running style is just so different from Tony Pollard's that they've been able to complement each other pretty well. Well, we've got to talk about that Dallas defense, too. You
0: mentioned it off the top, how that's been, you know, really a strength. You look at the 24 sacks that leads the NFL, and it's not just, you know, Micah Parsons. You you look at Armstrong. You look at Dante Fowler. You look at, you know, Lawrence, obviously, as, you know, all those guys have three or more sacks. It really comes from all angles on Dallas, and I know talking with Dan Campbell, some of the offensive players this week in Detroit, you know, that's the thing that they talk about. It's not just, you obviously have to know where, where Micah is, but you can't just focus it there because they're so talented just across their front seven. Just, you know, how good has that unit been and and how much of, of, you know, the four and two start for Dallas is because of that front seven defensively.
2: Well, Tim, it's been wild just because of the fact of that for so long, the Cowboys have been in a team built around their offense and uh, two particular moves are what swung it. And one was getting Dan Quinn as their defensive coordinator. And the other was, I mean, let's be honest. They got lucky to get Micah Parsons. I mean, they didn't want Micah Parsons. They originally wanted one of the top cornerbacks in that draft. And both of them got picked right before the Cowboys went on the clock. So they traded back with of all teams, the Eagles, and they get Micah Parsons. And we're thinking, okay, well, they drafted another, you know, like a Leighton Vanderash type linebacker. who's going to be a traditional linebacker. And that hasn't been the case at all. And he's been just this monster pass rusher that it, it, there's multiple times for games where I just sit there thinking to myself, like, man, the Cowboys probably got lucky because of the COVID year that Micah sat out at Penn State, because if he plays another year at Penn State, I find it hard to believe that he wouldn't have taken another step. Not that he wasn't good before, but I think he plays another year there, and I don't think he gets out of the top five. And so he's changed everything just because they can use him in so many different ways. Traditional linebacker, they can drop him into coverage. He can rush from either edge spot. He can they rush him up the middle. Um, so there's just such a variety of things you can do with him. And, and he's just been so special early on that you generally don't see that stuff. And because there's so much focus on him, it just opens things for Demarcus Lawrence. And, and Dorrance Armstrong is another guy who he kind of, he kind of didn't get a lot of attention the last couple of years because they had Randy Gregory and then Randy Gregory signs in the off season with the Broncos. So Dorrance gets more opportunities. And so that's been huge up front. And then of course, on the back end, like everyone knows, Trayvon Diggs has been such a playmaker. And so having that pressure up front uh, gives him opportunities on, on that back end. But yeah, it all starts with Micah Parsons. You know, every week it's like, it's almost like the way with, with New England, how Bill Belichick, a lot of people talk about the greatness of Bill Belichick is that every week he can do something different. Well, Micah Parsons allows Dan Quinn that ability to, you just really don't know from week to week, even covering the team, how exactly is Micah Parsons going to be used?
0: And what a credit to Quinn, really, in, in having the foresight to to be able to use him in in, in so many different ways. We asked Dan Campbell um, on, on Wednesday about, you know, Micah, and obviously they scouted him. They ended up taking Penny Sewell at seven, and Micah falls, and and, and Dallas gets him at twelve. But you know, Dan said, you know, the, the trouble with you know scouting Micah was where were you going to play him? Was he a stacked linebacker? Was he an outside linebacker? Was he just a guy that you could put throw on the edge? And so there was kind of that mystery with what were you were going to do with him? You, you knew he was an athlete. You knew he was a, a you know terrific physical talent. But how were you going to use him? So what what a great job Dan Quinn and the Cowboys have done. And and just really identifying all the things he can do and 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 not kind of pigeonholing him into one spot just just letting him be him
2: yeah and it's allowed this defense really to be it's the best defense that they've had since at least a marcus Ware, and you can make the argument it might be the, their best defense since their super bowl years in the early 90s it just wow he has allowed them to to just change so many things about there, there's just there was a long time with the cowboys where um you know, you, you spend all this money on offense and the defense is yeah. There's a couple key pieces, but it's a lot of try hard. Uh, you know, you try to be an overachieving defense. And now with Micah, it just changes everything to where, uh, you know, you have multiple guys on the field that opposing offenses fear. And so because of that, it just, it's been interesting to watch Mike McCarthy, Kellen Moore have to kind of tweak that game plan, uh, because it's like, hold on, let's just take care of the football. Cause if we do, this defense can win us ball games. Now, That was a lot easier said and done with Cooper rush because he's a backup quarterback. And that's the big question down here is, will that, will that offense change because of the defense since Dak's been out, or is it going to go back to the way that Dak was before where he was throwing the ball? I just don't see that happening. I think that they're going to lean on this defense a lot more. It's going to be about taking care of the ball, which Dak's been good at. He only had 10 interceptions last year. Um, So I think that that's going to be the key there because as long as you can allow this defense to, to get rest, and, and have to defend long fields, uh, they're in good shape.
0: And again, I'm, I'm speaking with John Machado, who does a great job covering the Cowboys from uh, the, for the Athletic. And it, it, John, how great is that matchup going to be? You know, you look at Detroit and some of their strengths, and obviously the first thing you look at is that offensive line. They've only allowed, you know, seven sacks all year. You know, had a few mishaps, you know, against the Patriots. Wasn't a, a, a kind of performance that we're used to seeing from those guys up front. But through the course of the year they've been really really good is, is that to you the key matchup in this one is is if Detroit can contain or at least slow down Micah in that defensive front a little bit is that is that one of the big matchups for you
2: yeah there's no question about that um I just the way when I you look at these two matchups you I think that everybody knows that the Lions will be able to score uh against pretty much anybody their offense has been has been impressive all year. It's on the other side of the ball. Will they be able to stop Dak and those guys, but yeah, if if they can slow down Micah and, and score points, I think that that's gotta be, uh, you know, where you, the, the biggest thing really is, is to run the ball because that's where their, their biggest weakness has been on this Cowboys defense is just the fact that there's been times where they just haven't been able to stop the run. Like two years ago, was probably the worst run defense in Cowboys history. And so since Dan Quinn's taken over, they've slowly gotten better, slowly gotten better, but it's still, I mean, you look against the Eagles, that was a weakness there. Of course, the the Lions don't have a running quarterback like Jalen Hurts, but still, uh, with the way that the Lions run the ball, um, what'll be interesting to watch for in this game is the Eagles did some things where they, they designed plays where they went right at Micah. And so that prevents him from kind of being the guy in the backside to run down a play and use his great athleticism. So I'm interested to see if maybe the lions do that. They run some things that they go right at Micah um, so that he can't come off the backside and and wreck a play. But if the lions can run the ball well uh, against this, this defense, they should be able to control the clock and, and keep themselves in the game. But what the, what the Cowboys want is they want the lions to get down and have to pass so you can have DeMarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons and Torrance Armstrong and these guys pin their ears back and be able to go after Jared Goff.
0: Yeah, you're right. And, and Detroit has been really good running the football. And that's the, the staple of of Ben Johnson's and and Dan Campbell. That's what they want to do. Um, and they're stubborn with it. You know, even if if Dallas is pretty good early on, I mean, they're going to continue to run it. And, and I guess the big thing. Here is is and what those guys have talked about, and what Jared Goff talked about, is just being really good on first and second down, and, and not allowing, um, you know, Dallas to put Detroit into some third and sevens, some down in distances where, like you mentioned, they can pin their ears back and go. So, you know, I think one of the big keys is going to be, you know, how well Detroit can be on first and second down, keep on schedule, and, and not put themselves in bad situations where those guys can pin their ears back. All right, John. The Dallas Cowboys go to five and two on the year if what happens on Sunday?
2: If they can stop the run, that'll be huge. Um, And then they have to take care of the ball. I don't see that being an issue because I don't think Dak coming back on his first game is going to be attempting a lot of, you know, risky throws, you know, stuff into double coverage. I just don't think that he's going to need to do that. And so as long as they take care of the ball and don't turn it over and they can, they don't have to completely stop the lions run game. Cause I don't think that anybody's going to do that with that offensive line in those backs, but as long as they can uh, keep them from wrecking the game and having some huge day where, you know, they go for a couple hundred yards and, and a few touchdowns. So as long as they can do those two things, I, I think the Cowboys will be fine. The other thing is that they're coming off a game against the Eagles where they missed 10 tackles. And that's very uncharacteristic of this defense. And I just think you're going to see a, a motivated bunch for this game just because of, the sour taste in their mouth leaving Philadelphia Sunday night, but then also, uh, you know, watching film and doing some of their look backs this week on that game. You can just tell from talking to some of the players in the locker room, Dan Quinn, uh, they're not happy with that, that aspect of the game where they've been pretty good. So I don't anticipate them having two bad games in that area.
0: Yeah. It's definitely going to be a motivated bunch here in Detroit coming off a bye. Obviously we're beat 29, nothing in new England. So they had that bad taste going into the bye, And so look, at, during the bye, you, you kind of do that self-evaluation. You, you look at yourself, right, and, and you change some things. So Dallas can probably expect some things they haven't seen on film from Detroit. Uh, Detroit needs a win at 1-4 and four, you know, to, to keep this thing alive and, and, and be relevant in November and December. So it should be a good matchup. Two motivated teams, obviously, NFC matchup. Uh, Dan Campbell gets to go back to Texas. I know he's looking forward to that. John, thanks so much for joining me. Great insight there, and we'll see you on uh, Sunday. I'll make sure to stop by and say hello.
2: Yeah, absolutely do that. And thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it.
0: Welcome back to the 20 minute in the huddle podcast presented by Microsoft. And I am with pro bowl center, Frank Ragnow. Frank, thanks for joining me. Um, this week, obviously, a huge test with Dallas. And, and you look at them in that defensive front. And, and just what, what jumps out about them when you watch them on film?
1: Well, first 11, uh, Micah Parsons. He is a very dynamic player that kind of can play all over that front seven. They'll put him over the center, the guard, the tackle. They'll put him off the ball, linebacker. And then secondly, they've got Dan Quinn's defense, which is just kind of like old Seattle, old when he was at Atlanta, aggressive, a lot of movement, all kinds of stuff being thrown at you. So it's definitely going to be a great test for us, for sure.
0: But you guys got to like the matchup, right? I mean, you you guys have been playing well all year long. I mean, seven sacks allowed, that's tops in the NFL. You're facing a team in in Dallas, they've got 24, that leads the NFL. So it's, it's really strength on strength, but you guys have to go into this one and feel pretty good about about this matchup just with how well you guys have played the the, f- the first five weeks of the season
1: yeah yeah we're always confident and it'll be awesome because it's it's good on, like you said it's good on good and it's you want to play the best, and you want to be the best. So it's it'll be cool to compete against these guys and prove that we can keep going no matter who we're going against, for sure.
0: I know you've been dealing with a little bit of a foot injury. Did that bye week come at a good time for you to, to get that week off and kind of rest? I know you didn't do much on the bye. I yeah. just hung out, huh?
1: Yeah, it was a huge. Like usually as a player, I'm thinking I'd like the bye week a little bit later in the Eight, season, nine, right? 10,
0: like mid season break but, in half. right? But
1: the timing of that was. Huge for me. Uh, yeah. I'm very, very grateful for
0: it, for You feel sure. good? Yeah, feeling a lot better. You know, I want to talk about another guy, too, Penne, in, in his second season. Obviously, Dex has been doing it at a high level for a long time. You've been to Pro Bowl. You've been doing it. Um, uh, you know, Jack's been at, at a Pro Bowl. But Penne is that guy, to me, that that's really come on in his second year. What is it about Penne that's made him so good in, in his second season?
1: He's a freak show with <laughs> with. But there's a lot of freak shows in this league, right? right? He's a freak show with instincts, like football instincts, and he's a freak show with that work ethic. And you combine all three of those, and that's what you guys are seeing. I mean, he does everything the right way. Um, He takes a lot of pride in how uh, how he works his craft and how he does everything. And you combine all that, and it's pretty special. And that's, I mean, he's going to be a special football player for a long, long time. And if people talk about his
0: athleticism. What does that mean when you're talking about an athlete along the offensive line, and especially a tackle? Like, when they, when they say he's one of the most athletic tackles in football, like, how does that manifest itself in the game on film? Like, how, how, do you, how do you notice that? How do you see that?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the way he can run for being whatever he weighs, he's a big, big man, yeah. right? And then, but also, like, The way dudes bend, I think that's one thing that, like, you can see where there's some freak shows. Like, the way you can bend and get low and move guys and his feet are just – it's hard to describe. We always talk about that with defensive ends, right? Like, Mm -hmm. how
0: guys can bend, the Miles Garrett's the Bosas, all Uh those guys, how they can bend and and get low and, and use leverage, right? To have an offensive tackle that can do that and counteract that, is is—is that kind of what you, what, what, you, what you mean by that? Yeah,
1: to be able to block those dudes on the edge, like you said, they're able to bend and stuff like that. Him and, him and Taylor, their feet and the way they can move and bend, it's special.
0: It, it's really nice to have kind of bookend tackles. No is doubt. That, I no mean, doubt. just what does that do for you guys offensively? Not only the run game and protection, but just but, uh, the entirety of the offense, just to have two guys that you can count on on the end what does that mean for an offense
1: i think it's huge i think it's huge especially for the the quarterback position like for jared like i'm sure he's got to feel pretty confident knowing he's got those two guys because that you got two bookends where you're like hey we don't need to adjust game plans for them because they're really those kind of guys it's a it can change your offense
0: new england was an anomaly for you guys we're hoping yeah, yeah. i mean we're, offensively
1: we're, what was we're on to the next it was uh it was just we just could. We just didn't. We moved the ball. Yeah. Like we moved the ball up and field up the field, but we didn't convert on third and fourth down. And then when we got in the red zone, we stalled out. And that's, it's an anomaly.
0: Okay, that's good to hear. Yeah, you guys. I know yeah. they want to hear that. No doubt. <laughs> that's no an anomaly. Um, Hank Fraley just how great of a of a calming effect does he have in that room it seems like he's a great teacher because it doesn't matter who you guys plug in you guys have dealt with some injuries mm-hmm. right with jonah and some of those guys but, but a guy like evan comes in and and, and it's just fine you know skip comes in and, and, and plays well it just seems like whatever you guys kind of do up there it, it seems to work how much is that hank kind of gluing it all together
1: it's a lot hank um he's a great like you said he's a great teacher man and uh it helps that he played the game because um, he really relates that to how we see it. And hes uh, it's a two-way communication, if that makes sense. Like It's not just him telling us. It's an open dialogue, and we're able to work through a lot of things and get to the where we're all comfortable with it. And then the way he prepares guys. like He doesn't just prepare the first five. He's preparing everybody like they could potentially be the starter. And uh, I think also you have to give a little hats off to the whole room because guys – have took an onus on that and they believe that like they believe that any day they could be out there and we've, we've had guys like skip like evan that have been preparing to be the starter and then when they step in it's not you're not noticing a big letdown you know
0: it seems like you guys are pretty friendly too I mean, is that a, is that a pretty close group? I mean, you saw some of it on Hard yeah. Knocks. How you guys are just kind of sitting around and chatting, no but no. we see you guys in the locker room and you're messing with each other. And yeah. I know you guys do dinners and stuff yeah. like that. I mean, is, is it a pretty close knit group? Yeah, we now? got
1: a we got a good crew, man. I mean, me and Decker have been together for now five years with Hank, which is a which yeah. is huge, right? Right. And then Jonah's been here three, and then Panay. It's, it's it's been good, man. It's been good.
0: The bye week. What was the big focus for you guys coming out? Of the, of the buy, we mentioned obviously health wise, getting getting you you guys right, getting getting the foot good. But just from an offensive perspective, maybe a, a bigger picture. What what was the big message? Mm-hmm. You know, coming back out of the bye, what you guys need to do to you know be a little bit better on third down. You know, some of the short yep. area stuff, red zone. I mean, what, what was the what was the big talking points? I guess. Yeah, you
1: nailed it there. I think third down, and then especially up front, uh, the short yardage. Yeah. Right, like we've got a group that we should be expected to be able to convert on short yardage. And it's been a lot of it's just been guys, all of us really have been trying to do too much, right? We just mm-hmm. got to be ourselves and everything will take care of itself. And uh, th- But really those two have been the main focus.
0: Is that tough sometimes, though, when you're losing – you know that you maybe try to put too much. You maybe try to go outside yourself a little bit. Try to make that mm-hmm. extra play. And coaches talk about it all the time. Well, sometimes that's that's the worst thing you can yeah. do. Is is just be yourself. Just do your job and count on the next uh, on the guy next to you to do his.
1: Yeah, you can't be pressing. Can't be pressing like that. We don't need heroes. We just need everybody to do their job, and then it'll all work out.
0: All right, I had Taylor Decker on the podcast, um, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago. We were talking about the, the Grizzly Man, He had the gear. I think he was wearing one of the, one of your hats. Yeah, he threw it out there that you made the offensive lineman pay for the Grizzly Man gear.
1: That that
0: that <laughs> I, I just I had to that, ask you that about actually, it. That actually
1: that isn't true. <laughs> uh, the original ones, right? So I originally made like ten hats, and they offered. To pay for it, <laughs> okay. Right. See, so see, they deck made it. Pay pay deck it. was made
0: it like. Yeah, I know. Like... That's what
1: Taylor does. And then, <laughs> so then, a couple guys after pay for. I'm like, oh, okay, thank you for supporting it. Because yeah. it's Me and my brother, and then you know he gives me the crap for it. But then I've given him a bunch of free hats. He did so, say that. Yeah. That this
0: stuff afterward has been. Yeah. free. So obviously the grizzly grizzly man stuff has taken off. I know me. I like to fish, so me and you will chat every mm-hmm. now and again. Uh, you got a place now on on Lake St Clair that you can go out kind of anytime you want now. But I want to talk about your foundation a mm-hmm. little bit too and just tell the folks you know what the foundation is why you started it why it's important to you
1: yeah so it's the rags remembered foundation it's in honor of my uh, late father um he uh passed away of a heart attack uh, my junior year of college i mean i'm sure a lot of people know the story i'm pretty open about it but uh i'm just incredibly grateful for the way i raised i was raised and i've always wanted to do a foundation to kind of uh i just feel like it's like twofold right like i am just I feel like being raised the way I was raised, where I was, it was kind of like, go outside and we'll see you for dinner, right? Like, right. I'm calling you for dinner at five o'clock, mom's yelling at us. When it starts to get dark, you come home. Yeah, exactly. Like, it was that kind of childhood. Yeah, yeah you yeah. live in the country. Uh-huh. It was the
0: same childhood that I had. And
1: I think it's good for you, man. So I think, and then on flip side, when my dad did pass away, I, uh, I turned to the outdoors to grieve. And uh, so I thought about this foundation to kind of honor my dad where we could really get grieving families in the outdoors and help disadvantaged youth or anybody really just get to the outdoors because I I think it can be – beneficial just in general but really beneficial to help you grieve it's just another outf-
0: outlet hopefully and you had i think your first um your first event was mm-hmm. over the summer right yep. how'd that go
1: it was really good we raised 50 grand to nice. start off which was incredible uh it was a good turnout and then we've actually got one coming up here i don't know when this comes out but it's coming up on november 7th oh yeah no yep. this will be out yeah before that so that's perfect yeah it'll be at ford field so uh, what are you guys doing there it's just a, it's a red tie event. Okay. so Yeah, oh, just you another fundraiser. Yeah, on now, yeah. I know, mean. not really my scene, but whatever we got to do to hey, help, raise help the money kids. And yeah, help kids, exactly. Right. Uh
0: huh. So, I, I know you're an avid fisherman, avid hunter. Um, where's a great place on Lake St. Clair to catch smallies? You know, some good ones. Oh, I'm do, not going to. you give, not going give to give your little give spot. You any,
1: I'll give you spots that. I'll give you a spot that every in front of the old Ford estate. Okay. That uh, yeah, uh, like uh, there's a launch right there on Jefferson. It's like nine mile, but right now in front of the Fort, old Fort State, in uh, the spring, juicy. That that's where they're a lot at. of structure there. Yeah, very good. That's awesome. Well, great job with the foundation. Thank that, you. That, that's awesome. I appreciate you know, it. I don't
0: think people realize just how much fun it can be to be out, you know, fishing, mm-hmm. hunting, doing all that stuff. If you haven't done it before, just how relaxing and and it it can take your mind. Mm-hmm. Oh, for just sure. Going out, I'm, I'm sure, like you know a night after a rough game or whatever on a Tuesday when you have a day off just how relaxing is that to throw out there on a yeah. Tuesday and, and just go fish for a little turn while?
1: everything off and just relax that's awesome yeah
0: well you need to turn it up no uh, this Sunday because <laughs> we need to get we need to get a win that offense needs to get rolling and and you guys gotta have a, have a tough task obviously but but you seem pretty confident bunch that you can turn this thing around Mm-hmm. yeah all I'm right confident in our guys all right well let's do it yeah. Frank Now, thanks for joining me yeah thanks for having me It is now time for the Key Matchups, presented by BetMGM, and I have Michael O'Hara with me. Thanks for joining me again, Mike.
3: Uh, the pleasure is mine. But I just want to tell you one We thing. had you
0: on a couple weeks ago, and the numbers went so through the roof with people wanting Mike O'Hara content that I just had to have you right back on again. Did you
3: recognize right. that I called you a couple hundred times? <laughs> there, but here's the other thing I was so ready to, to do. It. I had five notebooks with me. I'll cut it down to five sheets of paper, okay?
0: There's going to be pretty five really... <laughs> Really uh, intuitive sheets of paper, though.
3: Wait a minute, this one's upside down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start with the key matchups. And, and obviously, this is a huge game, Mike. Detroit's offensive line versus Dallas's defensive front. I mean, they lead the, lay, the league with 24 sacks. Detroit is tied for the lead with the fewest allowed at seven. And so, you know, I look at probably who's been the most consistent performer up front for Detroit and who's been the best performer on that defense for Dallas is Penny Sewell versus Mike, Micah Parsons.
3: Yeah, I don't know if they'll go head to head or how much they will, but you know, that's something you'd really want to really want to look at. You know, I was thinking about about Penny Sewell, uh, Tim, and one of the things that kind of struck struck me is there'll be three or four or five games or whatever that we're into the season, and I won't even remember him, and that's a good thing right. because you don't hear holding 58. I think is the one he gets his the false start. Yeah, and, it, and usually it's the second or third play of the game. But but aside from that. This guy's as, as, as steady as they come. And I don't mean just steady, but, but powerful the whole the entire package. Yeah. Kind of interesting that these two guys came out of the same draft and two of the better players in that draft.
0: Yeah. You know, it would be interesting if you went and redraft oh. 2021. That was where Trevor Lawrence went number one. Obviously, there was the run on the quarterbacks. But I think between Trevor Lawrence, Jamar Chase, Pene Sewell, and Micah Parsons, that's probably your top four picks in a redraft.
3: Well, there wouldn't be anybody after that that I would take ahead of Penny Sewell. I yeah. really wouldn't. Whoever's on the board, then I like Penny Sewell. I liked him then. I like him now.
0: And You look at look at Parsons. I mean, he's been so explosive for them. And look, he can play the stack spot. He can play outside linebacker. They'll put him on the defensive line. He can rush from everywhere. He leads that team with six um, six sacks on the year. Uh, the, as a team, I mentioned they got twenty four sacks. They've got four games where they have at least fifteen quarterback pressures and. Um, you know, Parsons got three multi-sack games. I mean, he is a wrecker. And so I don't know how often we'll see Penny Sewell and him just because of, like you mentioned, they move him around so often. But when that's a matchup, that's going to be a really fun yeah, one
3: that's so keep that video out there, folks. If you tape the games or record it, keep it. It's, it's one to watch.
0: Penny Sewell, one half sack allowed in five games. He's been really, really good.
3: What happened to the other half a sack? Except the guy he pointed at on the wall.
0: <laughs> Let's flip, flip the other side of it and, and go – you know D- Detroit's defensive front um, against Dak Prescott, who all indications out of Dallas are you know that thumb. He he returned to practice this week. Thumbs getting better. He's probably in line to make a start. His first start since week one. Um, you know credit Cooper um, Cooper Rush for you know holding down the fort. That's a four and two football team um, that's still in it, getting their their starting quarterback back. But to me that's a that's a big one because this Detroit Lions defense has to generate more pressure. They just have to. I mean, they are last in the league in sacks, and they just don't affect the quarterback enough. And I don't know if Dak will be a little bit rusty, maybe. Uh, You know, he's a veteran guy, but... When you haven't played in, in over a month, there could be some rust there. And and so to get after him early in that game, to make him uncomfortable early, just don't let him settle in. And I think Aiden's just got to be a big part of that. You know, he was the number two pick for a reason. He had one really good half against Washington, which had three sacks. Not a lot of production in the other games. I think this is kind of one he, he's got to, you know, he, he was able to self-scout himself, look in the mirror during the bye week, probably came up with some things, and and he's got to be part of the solution for this Detroit Lions defense to be
3: better. Well, I kind of took it personally when you said veteran guys get rusty because <laughs> I fall into both of those categories. If I'm Aiden Hutchinson, I guess this is kind of funny, though, but I'd sort of use a little bit of psychology, and I'd go up to Dak Prescott before the game, and I'd say, look, Treat this like it's your first game of the season because the first game of the season he went 14 for 29, no touchdowns, one interception, and a passer rating of 40-something. So just pretend it's the opening day. Okay? It's the opening day. That's the way to work on him. But really, his own game, look, he's played five games and he had a chance, like you said, uh, Tim, to to, to reflect on what he what he did just with no pressure on him no not pre- no nothing just look at his game and I think he's a, from all accounts a pretty smart young man and you know he's had a great college career he's played a lot of ball but it just hasn't quite fired for him yet except for that one half in the second game of the season but come up with something you know whatever it is something that they haven't seen within the framework of your of your, your defensive structure and, and make them think the rest of the game that hey he's coming.
0: And finish. Finish.
3: I think he's been in
0: positions to make some plays. You look at even, you know, in New, New England against Bailey yep, Zappi. had him in had the backfield right there. Had Jalen Hurts week one a couple times. Got his hand out. Wasn't able to finish. Look, Dak can move around a little bit. And, you know, I, I think he he moves to throw. I don't think he's a traditional runner like a Jalen no. Hurts. But if you've got that opportunity, he's elusive enough to make you miss. I think that's probably the big word for, for Hutch over the bye was finish.
3: Yeah, and one of the, one of the defensive linemen, I was, went, went on their website to listen to their quotes after the game uh, Sunday night. And he said we've got four back. So that's how much they believe in, in him in and, and Dallas. And they should. Yeah. I don't mean, know what they were twelve and four last year and, and you know, really going good. Probably should have won a playoff game. Kind of diddled it away, but, but yeah, that that that's that's their guy. That's that's the, that's their quarterback, the quarterback.
0: All right, we've looked at the at the trenches now to start. Let us go outside a little bit. And and a key one and another key one for me is, is Josh Reynolds. Now we'll see if, if, if Josh plays. I know he's been banged up a little bit, missing practice this week. Um, but it'll be Josh or whoever that deep threat is for Detroit because going against Trayvon Diggs, a really talented quarter, he's going to be the guy on the outside that, that's trying to shut down whoever Dallas perceives as Detroit's biggest threat on the outside, their deep threat. And when you look at this um, matchup, Dallas has played pretty good all all year long, eight touchdowns allowed by the Cowboys at second fewest in the NFL, and they're fourth against the pass. They're only allowing 183.5 yards per game. So, look, Trayvon obviously had the huge season last year. Isn't having, you know, the greatest, that much impact early this season, but he's their guy, and and Detroit's got to find a counter, whether that's Josh Reynolds, whether that's D.J. Chark. I don't think he's going to be back this week. Whoever it is, um, look, Josh has led them um, in receiving all year. He's been a really reliable weapon. I think he's got to be for them this week as well.
3: Well, yeah, and I think I've looked this up. He's had in the last three games, he's had 19 catches, 269 yards, something like that. So one thing about about Diggs, look, he can – you know, he, he had the 11 interceptions last year, and he's got two so far. So he's really on course to have, you know, six interceptions, but they're probably not thrown at him as much. I mean, look, why would you keep throwing it to it when, when the cornerback has good a chance of coming down with it as your intended receiver? So that's probably a function of, of just being good. And and not that he's got a drop off in performance, just in in the numbers themselves may not add up the same way, but he's a really, really good ball player. He's
0: tied for the NFL lead with nine pass breakups as well. So look, he gets his hands on footballs,
3: but he takes some chances too.
0: Among those 11 interceptions last year, four touchdowns allowed through six games, he's allowed two. So look, they're going to target him a little bit, you know, obviously down the field, Um, but He can give up some plays, too, because he's always trying to make that big play, go for that pass defense, go for that interception. Sometimes you can... You know sneak a ball by him because he's a little bit aggressive maybe you can double move him while he tries you know to, to, to get to get those picks in big plays so maybe an opportunity there through, through film study that you know they can maybe set him up and try to do something deep.
3: You know, and Josh Reynolds is you know he's a pretty, pretty six three six four something like that good range you know good hands and, and long arms and all that and he's really shown an ability to get downfield and come down with the ball so you talk about a guy who land just sort of just picked him up last year and he had a connection with with the Jared Goff and, and with a lot Los Angeles Rams. They carried that forward, and that he's really been an, a, an important player for the Detroit Lions.
0: Who's also been an important player on a defense that obviously looks to turn things around is Jeff Okuda, Lions cornerback, and he's going to have he's going to have his hands full with CD Lamb this week. I think that's a really intriguing matchup. You know. Th- Dak likes to go down the field, and when he does, it, it it's usually you know, CD that's their big play guy. Um, Jeff Okuda, no touchdowns allowed, but the penalties are creeping up a little bit. Obviously, had two big ones, um, no. in New England. I think he had one the week before that was a pretty critical play, too. I think we joked, you know, coming in that, well, you know you got to be there to cover a guy to get a penalty, right? right? you got to be running right with him. You've got to, you know, be in that position. Um, so that's a good thing that, you know, you're not trailing a guy. You can't get a pass interference five yards behind a guy. So he's right there. Just probably some technique stuff he needs to work on. But the no touchdowns allowed, he's he's probably been one of their better players on defense. No, I would agree season.
3: with that, too. And i am say the same thing about him that we said about Penny Sewell, about redrafting and all that. He was... You know, he was taken third overall in a draft out of, out of Ohio State. We're, talk, uh, we're talking about Okuda. And you go back and look at like, the last 15 or 18 picks, and there's nobody that you would go, okay, I'd rather have him than, 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 uh, Jeff. than Jeff Okuda. So I, I think the injuries are what held him back for two years, but now I think we're starting to see why they took him, where they took him, and I think he's validating that pick.
0: C.D. Lamb, 33 catches, 409 yards, a couple touchdowns. He's their big play guy. He's caught 14 passes of 15-plus yards on the year. That's tied for the fifth most in the league, so when they go downfield, it's usually C.D. He's also their
3: big drop guy, too. Now, you can't count on a guy dropping the ball when he's wide open, but he does do that. In other words, you can sit there and just, oh, please drop another one. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, my final matchup. We talked about Aiden. Let's let's go on the other side, and, and we'll see if that's Charles Harris. I know he missed some practice time this week. John Kaminsky returned to practice. So, you know, it's going to be a combination of either those two or, or some of the other guys they have. Against Tyler Smith, their rookie from Tulsa, uh, you know, guy who was pressed into action because uh, of an injury ahead of him. And, look, he, he hasn't been too bad for, for a rookie starting at left tackle um, in that division, particularly I mean, with some of the defensive lines in 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 the East. I mean, three sacks in six games. I mean, if, if you're going to tell me ahead of the season I'm starting a rookie left tackle through six games, I'd probably take three sacks. He hasn't been bad, but there's going to be some opportunities there. there because he is a rookie, right? Mike? Well, you would
3: think so. I and mean, look, he's replacing Tyron Smith, a 12 year player. Probably, I mean, at least, at the very least, a borderline Hall of Fame. Yeah. Defensive sure. lineman. Maybe not quite there, you know. He's probably had a career similar to here in Detroit, like Lomas Brown, just a really good, you know, perennial All-Pro I'm sorry, perennial Pro Bowl player. And we'll see. I, I, I would think that if if it's if it's Hutchinson lines up, or then it's rookie versus rookie. And so I don't know if there really is an advantage there. So this would be for to me a guy like Charles Harris, if he can play with the quickness he has, the speed around the corner. I think this would be a good setup for him now. Yeah, you've got to do it. It's easy for me to sit here and talk about it and say, yeah, if you do this, that, and the other thing, you'll get the quarterback. But you've got to do it. And that's been one of the issues with the Detroit Lions. It's probably one of their biggest issues so far in the first five games is not getting to the quarterback. Seven. Seven. Three seven of them in one half.
0: Three of them in one half. Seven sacks last in the NFL. So, you know, you, you just look at the the, the – Dallas and and how productive they've been at 24, Detroit at the bottom of the list with 7. I mean, what a big difference. It just goes to show, and you look at the defensive statistics that support each of those teams, too, and you can see why Dallas is among one of the best defenses in the league, why Detroit isn't. Pass rush is huge.
3: And you can see why a guy like you know Diggs got 11 interceptions last year, because quarterbacks are forced to get rid of the ball probably before they want to, before they see what they really want to see, and and that's part of the game. Make the quarterback, make them uncomfortable, make throw the ball when he doesn't want to throw it, Lions haven't done that enough. But look, they've, they've had their, their bye week, they've had their, you know, to, to rust up and all that and maybe study their own game, you know, and develop what themselves, what they need to develop, and now putting it on the practice field as we talk
0: and then apply it on Sunday. Apply
3: it on Sunday. It's, it's a big apply, game, isn't apply it? Apply it in a hard way, too. <laughs>
0: yeah, apply it in a hard way. He is Mike O'Hara. Those are the M- MGM key matchups. You know, obviously, we-, we covered a lot of stuff this week. Mike, P.J. Clark will-, will join me Sunday night in Dallas. We'll break down the game, too. It's a big one.
3: P.J.'s the one who got my seat on the plane. <laughs> <laughs>